So I'll bring this back to the whole, you know, the center of all this, right? A thousand doors. Okay. Now what you can have certainty about, if you want certainty, Luke, I can give you certainty. Stay in the room you're in now. The room will never change. That's the equivalent of having a PlayStation game FIFA on the lowest difficulty. You know exactly what will happen. Congratulations. You have certainty. But we all know in that thought experiment, there's no joy in that. So it's, we know that that's not really what we want. It's an impulse. It's a unsophisticated impulse we have. What we really want is the joy of opening a door, having it, we have a suspicion, something's calling us to open a door, which is like a little hint. And, and but when you open the door, the surprise on the other side, and then the next door. You don't want to know it all in advance. That's, that's what I feel like it comes back to. And it, it perfectly fits the thousand doors concept because yeah. the whole reason why I, I tried to articulate it that way with thousand doors is that because if you go back to one of the Taleb ideas, macro, right? You can have greater certainty about macro, but not um, macro things like overarching things, but you don't get to know the details. For example, again, going back to him, if I invested in every restaurant, right? I know I'd be better off financially than if I just invested in one restaurant because restaurants are very risky, but there's always going to be restaurants. You know that. So if I invested in, if I had one piece of 1% of every restaurant instead of 100% of one restaurant, I know that right, I'll be all right, but I don't know which restaurants will work. Like I don't get to know the details, but, but I do have confidence that you know, I'm not going to lose all my money. And the same thing with a thousand doors. If you go on the journey of, all right, so let's make it clear. Instead of keep opening doors, let's be more specific. Like you continue to learn, continue to make the most of every situation. You continue to like open doors for others. You continue to like be present and focused in the moment you're in, not distracted and thinking I've got to get somewhere. And, and, like, and you listen to your intuition. And you keep taking the next opportunity according to that to try and up and up the experience you're having, you know, you will end up somewhere remarkable overall, but you don't know fucking what that is. And that's, I, that's why I think this is interesting. I imagine this has got something to do with your beef with 10 to 15 year goals. Oh, probably. Yeah. But again, I think you can have out, out like rougher, broader 10 to 15 year goals. Like an ideal, for example, like I guess something so, yeah. you're trying yeah. to be. Like Jeff Bezos said from the, whatever, the early 90s, we're going to build the everything store. And they did. <laughs> for better or for worse, though, because... Amazon can be a bit of a ruthless business in some senses. But, you know, I, I, I think, all right, 10, 15 year goal. I don't have, have, have this many thousand million podcast downloads or book sales or anything like that. But I do know, have written books and shared good ideas, have opened doors for a lot of people, expect to be doing it on some sort of magnitude by that point that's meaningful, but not really locked in. It's not some metric or I'm going to be retired by 35 or some crap like that or 40 or some crap like that. 
that is getting way too specific about something. It's just, it, it's, it's rude. It's ignorant. It's denying reality. And the, and the thing I come back to, Luke, is you think that's, it's like the, the, the same concept we started this, this thought on. It's what you think you want. You don't know if you even really want that. In the same way that a couple of years ago, I wanted to have expanded real estate from Sydney to Melbourne and Brisbane by now. It's what I thought I wanted. Sometimes getting what you want is the worst case scenario, but you're at least aware of it. All right. (laughs) In other words, all right, but the long story short is this point, you would just want to be exactly where you are now, not necessarily knowing, just having an impulse of what you want to do next and, and be able to enjoy the little bumps and grooves that you go through. Anyway, this is going to be four key ideas around what's the last one. So the last one, I guess we would have split this into two episodes because I think it's all useful and on point. The last one is what I hinted to when we did our first episode on what's when you were talking about how do you define those goals? To me, this was a major uh, breakthrough. So can you see that last quote? There is no point in making plans for the future if you're not capable of living in the present because you won't be happy when you get them. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That is a, that, that was a, I've never heard that idea before him. Never presented in any way. What do you, what comes to mind for you specifically when you read that? I can give you a killer example. 18 and lost effect. People who are 18 who are insecure about making it in the world, future, scared about what comes next, the tendency to cover that fear of the world, you know, insecurity exacerbates a need for certainty. So the more insecure and unsure you are about yourself, the more you want to know. Like you want to know things for sure. You want to know people love you for sure. You want to know that you're accepted for sure. You want to know that you're, but you kind of need that validation continually. And you kind of want that's where the people who want the most life search tend to be like the most insecure or the most attached to the idea of being ahead of their peers, not a failure, not left behind. And what it is, they're not at that moment capable of living in the present, which is why they want to attach to something in the future. It's the feeling of like, I'm going to come out the other side. People who are loving the moment the most care least about being alive in five years right it's like fuck kill me now if i if i found out touch wood and something was wrong and i only had x amount of time i'd be like yep fair enough those are the people who are like really content with the present they haven't wasted life they've lived not just existed because they're happy in the present and when you're happy in the present he says it gives you the ability to actually plan for the future because you're not planning from a place of extrinsic goals. You won't be thinking about things like status, retiring at some age to do an undefined thing, which the undefined thing will probably be trying to make even more money because you've got nothing, no other creative idea for what you want to do with your time because you've had no introspection or, or something like that or status, whatever it is. 
Because that's what people seek when they can't live in the present. They seek shiny objects. Because that's what gives them the feeling of being alive, even though it's fleeting. When you live in the present, you get fulfillment from very simple things. Family, a walk, looking at the sunset, getting to sit down and write, or getting to whatever, talk to people, whatever it is that is your audience of none. And I th so I think it's very true. I'll pause here to see if it makes sense to you. Because that'll be, I do want to make sure, because I feel like it's a very big idea. Very useful if people understand this. Does that make sense? Yeah. So while you were saying that, I had a, I had a thought. I can't remember who I was talking to about this. I think it might've been, I think it was maybe Jimmy, but anyway, yeah. I had the, we had this conversation about saying, I know I remember distinctly when I was, when I was younger, not that I don't fall back into this quite frequently yeah. because you, it's just a default. All of us. Yeah. It's like you're always searching for that 10 out of 10 thing or, when you get to this point, you, you know, life will be, you'll be at a nine, 10 out of 10 because you'll have X. And I was talking to this friend and just pretty much reflecting on, no, this is, this is life. The day-to-day -day things like having dinner, for example, just having a conversation, like it doesn't, it, it doesn't get that 10 out of 10 ridiculous all the time. It's just living, living life best you can. And I think I've had moments in my life where I've, I've experienced that sort of just contentment with base level living, if that makes sense. Like yeah, just the day-to-day yeah, -day yeah. things, Yeah. the day-to-day -day things like this is, a, no, this is what it means to live is to, you know, get up, see your family, all the things you're describing, but you, you do, I do default back to, you know, <laughs> I'll be happy when, and yeah, it, you yeah. have to fight against it. But yeah. that's to me, that's kind of what that line speaks to. I think so. And when you say 10 out of 10 to get specific and clarify, do you mm. mean 10 out of 10 in terms of it feels 10 out of 10? Yes. Those moments? Like, or 10 out of 10 in terms of things aren't always 100% of the time rosy? Yeah, things aren't always rosy. And as you say quite a lot, you've got to optimize more for something that's meaningful. Um, and that's not always easy to describe, but it's, it's not living, it's not trying to seek a destination will make you. You've muted yourself, friendo. Oh, sorry. What was I saying? You're not necessarily seeking. Well, you're not always seeking, you know, I'm going to. The grass is I'm, greener. Yeah, the grass is greener. I'm going to be at a 10 out of 10 mm -hmm. when I get to this point in my life. Because I would say I've had days, if not long periods, where well, I, didn't, I don't know what I was working on. And at no point have I been swimming in money or something for the last two years either, but I've just gone for a bike ride or a walk or had a conversation much like this one where it's felt 10 out of 10 in terms of peak experience, that phrase peak experience. And in those moments, which are very simple, especially a major one was definitely the retreat we ran for the book where we went, went away together and just, connected as fucking human beings and shared some new ideas, ways of thinking about life like we are now. And in those moments, I just sit there and I think I'm fucking blessed. And how fucking good is this? This could not be any better. I could not have more than I have right now. 
how much of that do you think is very conscious thinking as well? I don't know. I think it maybe that, I don't know if that's the term I'd use. I think it comes from being consciously, I try not to use too much of this language because it, it's sort of associated with um, the more, the fluffier way of speaking in the moment. Mm. But it really is that. It's, it's like you're just right there and like people, interacting with people brings meaning. Right? Like your actual genuine friendships and relationships are one of the many things. Right? But they actually bring meaning. They bring incredible like power to life. They, they, they create an incredible experience. You know, the Harvard studies, you know, the, the people who they tracked from 19, whatever it was, 40 or something over the course of their life, the ones with the best outcomes, um, like health outcomes and life outcomes, had the best highest quality social connections. Not, not necessarily money. It was the social connections. And is this power that is so... I wrote a blog piece and I did a podcast episode called Forbes Refuses to Write an Article About Me. Right? And what that... It was a satirical piece around they won't recognize the form of wealth I have, which is social, like incredible friendships and relationships and the ability to easily form incredible relationships. Because that is the real wealth. I don't understand any contrarian point to that. Like it brings the most joy. It brings like most, the biggest sense of meaning. Yeah. The the first thing I don't know, when, for example, I got the email that say Seth Godin had endorsed our book, for example, let's pick that as like an objectively, like a moment that for most people is meaningful, right? To take it back a step. I'll be very honest. And I'm not just saying this for the sake of it. The first thing that I thought when I saw that email was like, this is so epic for like everyone in the book. That moment was fucking very joyful because I thought, wow, this is something that I managed to accelerate for Marvin, for Gabby, for Tyler, for Josh, for Scott, for Byron, Jordan. I was like, we got, and then they were the people I got to share it with. It's not even as enjoyable if it was just my book and it was just for me. How? How how would that be more enjoyable? It couldn't be. No way. There's this major mistake. And, you know, because we spend so much time listening to people who help us be whatever, more productive, you know, better in our work, more effective, better salespeople, better leader and all that sort of stuff we get so far from the idea that the real value that majority of the value is not actually in that stuff specifically that's actually helping us with stuff that is probably more complex but actually lower on the priority list and this is so hard for me to get across to people And it was, again, embedded in my experiences in Nepal with Nick and Scott and everyone. That 
the best fruit is actually the lowest hanging fruit. It's actually not that hard. <laughs>